Good morning. I'd like to welcome all of you to our worship service this morning. And first of all, I have a couple announcements, and I'd like to thank Brittany Bumbar for leading us in the prelude this morning on the piano. Uh, today is Promotion Sunday and the first day of Sunday school and confirmation classes. Uh, parents are asked to take their children to the class that they were in last year, and at that time the teachers will move them to their appropriate classes. The adult Sunday school classes also start today. The adult gospel project will be in the ministry center, and Jay Elsoff's class will be over here in the heritage room. If you are interested in donating to the relief effort in Texas for the flooding victims, the blue jug is on the steps this morning, where all the proceeds out of that will go to benefit the Salvation Army, which is already on the ground over there providing aid in, in Texas. The consistory has called a congregational meeting for next Sunday, September 24th, immediately following the worship service that morning. The purpose of that meeting is for the approval of the repair and sealing of the brick on the east exterior wall of this building. Also, we'll have a brief discussion on some major, some rather large uh, building projects that are coming up for this building. With Pastor Joel being with our mission team in Germany today, we welcome to our pulpit to lead us in worship, our youth director, Tori Russell. You're becoming a real veteran up here, aren't you? So we're anxious to hear what God has placed on her heart this morning to share with us. There are other announcements in your bulletin. Please take the time to look them over. And now if you will stand and join me in our preparation for worship. This morning it is taken from Isaiah 43, verses 1, 2, and the first half of verse 3. But now, this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Please remain standing for opening song of praise this morning in Christ alone. Thank you. 
great. So this morning is a special morning for our first graders. And I'm going to invite Maria Lammers to come up and help me out here. Um, So first graders, you get your first Bible today. That is so exciting. Uh, So when we call your name, uh, you'll come up with your parents. And you will stay up here. Mrs. Lammers is going to give you your Bible. And parents, we ask that you stay up here so we can pray over your first graders uh, once they get their Bible. So when you hear your name, come on up. So Cooper Jones. Adelie Myers. Caleb Milhouse. Okay. Uh, Joseph Pax. And Isaiah Alexander. All right, as they're coming down, uh, getting your first Bible is really cool, right? So cool. Um, And we hope that you use this. This isn't like other books that you can just put on your shelf and leave. You can actually write in this book. Sometimes you can't write in your books from school, right? But this book you can write in. You can underline, you can highlight, you can even draw pictures. Um, But really, this book is for you to use to grow in your relationship with God. And every time you open your Bible, God speaks to you through the words on the page. And so we hope um, that as a family, you guys will sit down and read that at night. Sometimes the Bible can be a little hard to understand, so you might need mom and dad's help to help you understand it. So whenever you come across a passage that you don't know, go ask your mom and dad. Ask them to help you. We hope uh, that this will encourage you in your faith. Um, We hope that this will help you grow in your faith, and we hope that this will help you as a family to grow in your faith together. So we are going to pray for you, and then afterwards we're going to ask the first graders to stay up here, and we'll invite the other kids to come up for children's chat. So Lord God, thank you so much for these first graders. Thank you for their families, Lord. Getting your word is so exciting, and I pray that they would use it. That it wouldn't be just a book that goes on their shelf, never to be opened. I pray that you would give them a burning desire to dive into your word and to grow in their relationship with you. I pray that you would speak to our kids as they read your word and that they would come to know you as Savior and Lord over their life. Amen. All right, stay up here. And as the other kids are coming up for children's chat, take a few minutes to greet your neighbor. silly. Is that exciting? Yes. yes, it is exciting. That is so awesome. Well, you keep using this one so it breaks too. Good morning. Good morning. 
Oh my goodness, there are a lot of you. We can be louder than that. Come on. Good morning. That's better. That is much better. How are you guys today? Good. Okay. So, if you're first grade and older, everybody should have one of these, right? Yep. Yep. Do you know where yours is? Good. Good. Okay. Well, as a first, second, third grade Sunday school teacher, you want to make sure you know where your Bible is so that it's in your bag so you can bring it to Sunday school with you, okay? Because we're going to need it this year, okay? So, let's talk about the Bible today. Tell me something you know about the Bible. What do you know about the Bible? That that when you start reading it, it helps you know... That Jesus wants you to do stuff that he wants you to do. That's right. Jesus talks to us through the Bible, doesn't it? Doesn't he? Yeah, he does. My mom told me about that. Mom told you about that? Good for mom. A long time ago when I started. Okay. What else do we know about the Bible? Does anybody else know anything about the Bible? Yes, Evan. It's important. It is important. Do you know that of all the books in the world... The Bible is the book that has sold more copies than any other book in the world. Isn't that pretty cool? And do you know what else I learned as I read through this? I learned that the Bible is printed in over 2,000 different languages. Just think of all the people that can read it if it's in that many different languages. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Bible. How many, this is one book, right? But then we say that there are like two, there are a bunch of books in this Bible. Does anybody know how many books there are in the Bible altogether? Elena Meyer, good job. 66, 66 books in the Bible. Now, the Bible is broke up into two parts. What? are those two parts called? Miss Opperman. You don't know. You just wanted to raise your hand. Okay. Yes. The Old Testament and the New Testament. Good job. Okay. So in the Old Testament, there are 39 books. And in the New Testament, there are 27 books. Now, what's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Do you really know this time? Okay. They each have different stories, and the stories in the Old Testament are before Jesus was born. And the stories in the New Testament start with when Jesus was born. Okay. Um, Did you know that the Bible was written originally in three different languages? It was written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and a form of Greek. Okay. And the Bible was the very first book that was ever written down, ever printed. That makes it a pretty important book, doesn't it? Yeah. Now, if I open up the Bible to the middle of the Bible, does anybody remember what book is in the middle of the Bible? It's also the longest book in the Bible. Evan? When Jesus was born? Nope. Close. 
Psalms. Psalms is the longest book, and it's in the middle of the Bible. That's probably why we can find it so easily, because there's so many Psalms in the book of Psalms. Okay? And the shortest book in the Bible is Second John. And it isn't even broke up into chapters. It's just all verses. Okay? So those are some neat facts today that we can learn and should know about the Bible. Okay? So, everybody here should have a Bible because you got a Bible when you were baptized. And when you hit first grade, you get your very own Bible. And this is a pretty cool Bible because it has pictures and stuff in it. All books with pictures are pretty cool. Okay, so let's say a quick prayer because we are super excited to get our Sunday school year off to a good start. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these young children as they come eager to learn about you. Please be with these first graders as they receive their first Bible. Help them to want to open it up every day and read and learn about you and know that what is in that Bible is is from you. Please be with us this week as we go out to be Jesus' hands and feet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Great job, guys. This week in Afghanistan, we lost one of our coalition partners, Corporal Madelian Stoika from the Republic of Romania, 41 years old, killed in Kandahar province. In addition, killed in training accident this week at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, Staff Sergeant Alexander Delayda, 32, from Dunstable, Massachusetts. Also died in a medevac training accident at Fort Hood, Texas, Staff Sergeant Sean Devoy, 28, from Baldwin, Missouri. Thank you, Jay. Before we start our prayer this morning, I'd like to have Sharon play a little bit on the piano and we take a brief moment for some silent meditation. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the beautiful day that you created for us today and also for the privilege of being able to gather in your house this morning to worship and praise you. We have been called by you to pray for people in need, and each Sunday our concerns list in our bulletin just seems to get longer. But Father, we also know that there are many more family members and friends who need your help, some who need healing and others who have issues in their lives that need to be addressed. 
And, Father, we just lift them up to you this morning so you can comfort them, guide them, and just reassure them that you are always with them. And, Lord, we pray for the men and women of our armed forces around the world who protect the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. We pray that you would comfort the families of those serving and also the families of those who paid the ultimate price for those freedoms. With today being the fall startup of Sunday school and confirmation classes, we pray that you would bless our teachers and help guide them in their teaching as they touch the lives of so many of our youth. And Lord, today our mission team that we sent to Germany to work on a building that will teach others on how to spread the word of your love and glory are coming home today. And we pray for their safe return. Father, we also lift up to you the people of Texas and Florida who have dealt with hurricanes and flooding. We pray that you'd be with them and comfort them as they try to get their lives back together again. And Father, with all the uncertainty of this world, the the difficulties that we have, the, the hardships that we face, all the pain and suffering, we are so grateful that you are always by our side. And we thank you for the promise of your word, the promise of eternal life through Christ our Lord. And Father, we thank you for hearing our prayers this morning that we bring to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. this morning will benefit the general fund. As the deacons come forward to collect, Sharon Cheney will provide us with some special music this morning.
Please remain standing for our scripture reading this morning. Our scripture reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And now, if you join us in singing hymn number 404, The Solid Rock. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for all who are gathered here. Lord, I pray that in these next moments that you would be big and I would be little, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to figure out what it means to find rest in the midst of our busy lives, Lord, and encourage us to find rest in you. We love you so much, and we thank you for this time together. Amen. So... A little bit of history before I really dig in. Uh, Pastor Joel asked me to uh, preach for him while he was gone in Germany. And of course, I jumped at the chance because I really enjoyed being up here last time with you all. And I was so thankful that you all um, gave me the chance to share what God laid on my heart. But this time felt a little different because last time God had laid that message on my heart two years before I had ever stepped up here to preach on it. 
This time, when he asked me, I said, sure. But in the back of my head, I was like, oh, no, what am I going to preach on? And so um, over the course of praying about it and talking with Pastor Joel, uh, this theme of rest came up. And it's something that God is trying to teach me in my own life. And it's something that I'm really not good at. And so uh, this morning, as we are going through this and trying to figure out what it looks like to rest in Christ and to make that a part of our daily lives, know that I am preaching to myself just as much as I am preaching to you all and that I don't have this figured out. So maybe we can figure it out together. So many of you probably don't know, but before coming to First Church, I worked at a nursery, and I loved that job. It was fun to snuggle babies and to play with little kids, and my job mostly happened in the three- and four-year-old room, and it was fun, and you got to make some money on the side. It wasn't a bad deal, Um, but the one time a day that was the hardest time for our class was nap time, and it was the time that we needed the most, but it just would not happen. And so I would come in usually right around nap time and help with the nap time routine and getting the kids to bed. And all of them would fall asleep because they were tired from the morning of morning activities and all would sleep except for one sweet little boy that would not sleep. No matter what we did, this kid would not fall asleep. We tried back rubs, we tried rocking, we tried bottles, we tried books, we tried everything under the sun, and this sweet little boy just would not nap. And we couldn't leave him alone because he was a busy little boy, and he loved to go and wake up his friends. And because they were on cots and not in cribs, you couldn't really contain them. And so we had to sit with him. And he would usually be was successful in waking up his friends because he would either scream loud enough or he would get up and run away and just try to shake him awake. And nap time became the worst time of day for us. And because he would not nap, it made for a very grumpy afternoon for all of the kids and the teachers. And by the end of the day, that sweet little boy was a terror. One of the things I learned about working at, from working at the daycare is that forced stress doesn't always work doesn't work for kids, and sometimes it doesn't work for adults. How many of you have ever tried to take a power nap? You know you have 30 minutes, and so you go and you lay down for 30 minutes. And you're like, okay, I really need to sleep. I could use a 30-minute nap. Then I'll be good to go. And you lay there. And you keep laying there. And finally, your alarm goes off, and you feel like you wasted 30 minutes because you didn't even sleep. Forced stress doesn't always work for adults. Sometimes it does. But the word rest literally means to cease work or movement in order to relax, refresh, or recover strength. Rest is something that we all need, but we don't get. Many of us, myself included, are not good at resting. We live and die by our to-do list, our calendars, and the things that we have to do, and we're constantly jumping from one thing to the next to the next. And it's hard to find time to rest when life seems to be so busy. And our world is just a busy world. It's so easy for us to get wrapped up in the hustle and bustle of things that we forget that we, too, need a break. Or sometimes we're so used to being busy that when we do finally take the time to get a break, we feel guilty for resting or we don't know how to truly rest. Now, rest doesn't always mean taking a nap or sleeping more or my personal favorite, chilling on the couch watching Netflix. But rest comes in many different forms. So there's physical and mental rest. The rest that does come with naps, chilling on the couch, watching movies, 
adjusting our sleep schedules to get that extra hour or sleeping in on a Saturday morning. One thing I always tell our students when we go on mission trips is that sleep is a spiritual discipline. If you do not get enough sleep, you cannot give your all to Jesus the next day. And really, I tell them that that for two reasons. One, selfishly, I want to go to bed when the schedule says 11 o'clock is lights out. But for them, it's true. If they do not get enough sleep, they cannot give their all to Jesus on the mission field and the work projects, and they're grumpy right when they wake up in the morning. Sleep is a spiritual discipline. But physical rest can also come in the form of exercise. Getting moving can rejuvenate our body and help us feel better. It can also clear our heads a bit and relieve stress. One that may not seem like rest, um, but actually is, is eating healthy, giving our body the nutrition it needs in order to carry us through the day so we don't end up feeling sluggish and drained by noon. We need physical rest to keep us going. And we need physical rest in order to serve the Lord day in and day out. But we also need spiritual rest. And this is the rest that comes from resting in and being with God. This rest looks different from person to person. For some, it may be a Bible study. Maybe you have a weekly Bible study you're a part of. Or for others, it might be combined with physical rest. So maybe you go for a run and you listen to worship music. Or you listen to a sermon as you're uh, walking or praying. Regardless of what this rest looks like, this is the sustaining rest that our faith and relationship with Jesus Christ need. And if I'm being totally honest with you, this is the rest that I'm really not good at. It is so much easier for me to go to bed earlier, to watch Netflix, and count that as soulful rest. But really, it's not. This rest takes more effort on our part, but it's the rest that we all need. St. Augustine said, You have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they can find rest in you. One thing that is true about all forms of rest is that it cannot be forced. If we only see rest as a purely physical act, we will struggle to fully engage with its power. Rest does not start with the body. It starts with our spirits and works its way to every other areas of our life. So God created rest for us. God created rest for us to rest in him. So when God created the world, he specifically created a day to rest. Now, God does not need to rest, and we know that from Scripture because Scripture says that God does not sleep nor slumber. But he rested on that day to set an example for us. God knew the importance of rest for his people. And I don't think God would have created rest if it wasn't important to him. Genesis 2, 1 through 3 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. So if you look at the biblical text of the creation story, each day leading up to the seventh day has morning and it has evening. There are physical confines to each day as far as time is concerned. But the day of rest that God created has no morning or evening. There doesn't seem to be any formal conclusion to that day. Could it be here, at the beginning, the Lord is giving us a huge nudge towards the truth that rest enshrined on the seventh day was never meant to remain within the confines of that day, but is intended to be enjoyed every single day. 
Now, when God rested, he didn't necessarily stop everything and take a nap for the whole day. But instead, he rested in his creation. He rested looking around and knowing everything he created was beautiful and it was good. But then God took it one step further. He then asked his people to rest. The Jewish people rested on what was known as the Sabbath day. Exodus 20, 8 through 11 says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So Exodus 20 makes a clear connection between the Sabbath day and the seventh day on which God the Creator rested. Observing the Sabbath for the Jewish people meant affirming that God is the Creator and Sustainer of the world. To remember the Sabbath meant that they identified the seven-day-a-week rhythm of life as belonging to the Creator. Now, we don't necessarily observe the Sabbath like the Jewish people did. They had to prepare everything before and not do a whole lot on the Sabbath. That meant the cooking, the cleaning, the laundry, and all of their work had to be done before the Sabbath day. And even though we don't necessarily use Sabbath like that anymore, I believe that we can find our own rest and our own Sabbath in the midst of our week and our busy lives. In Eden, God enshrined the principle of learning to live out of rest and work out of wholeness. He then commanded his people to respect the Sabbath and keep it holy. Years later, his son, the exact representation of the father, taught his followers the importance of rest. So Jesus teaches us how to enter his rest. And the rest that Jesus offers is more than just physical rest. And yes, we do need physical rest. But Jesus offers a spiritual rest too. The rest he offers is the rest that rejuvenates us to the core of who we are as disciples of Christ. It is the rest that we receive that allows us to keep serving and living for him and sharing his love with the people around us. Matthew 11, 28 through 30, talks about that rest. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. The rest that Jesus offers is an invitation to find rest in him. But in order to find rest with Christ, it requires a couple things on our part. First, true rest requires trust. Jesus tells us, come, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. When Jesus tells the people to come to him, his words are filled with compassion. He wants us to truly come to him, just as we are with everything we carry, bringing it all to him and laying it at his feet. It's a call to turn away from the things that we are currently holding on to in order to depend more fully on him. I think we're really good at holding on to the stuff that wears us out. We feel like if we can keep the tight grip on our calendars or our to-do list or even our anxieties and our pains, we can control the outcome. And really, that's just not true. When we relinquish that control and place our trust in him, he promises us rest. He promises to take the things that we carry and to put it on his shoulders and to walk with us through it. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure Jesus' shoulders are a lot stronger than my shoulders will ever be. But we can see this promise of rest when we place our trust in Christ and in God all throughout the Old and New Testament. God reminds us in the book of Isaiah of the comfort that we receive when we put our trust and our hope in him. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Guys, God is never going to get tired of carrying our burdens. He's never going to get tired of walking with us. And when we place our trust in him, and we experience the rest that we can't experience when we try to do life on our own. This is the rest that Jesus was talking about in Matthew 11. We renew our strength, both physically and spiritually, when we come to him and trust him to take the things that we carry. Second, rest requires partnership. So when Jesus invites us to rest, he invites us to partner with him. He invites us to walk with him in relationship. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So Jesus uses this imagery of the yoke to explain the partnership that he wants to have with us. A yoke is a big wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or cart that they're trying to pull. The thing about the yoke is that if it is not attached to the same type of animal or the animals are varying size or species, being yoked to one another is extremely painful. It's so painful, in fact, that God commanded a law of mercy in Deuteronomy about not yoking two animals together that are not of the same species or size. God forbid this because, one, it was inhumane, but two, because of the pain that it would cause the animal. If you had two animals that were of varying sizes, one would inevitably have to pull more weight than the other, causing pain to both. Sometimes I think we unknowingly yoke ourselves to things that we don't need to be yoked to. I know I'm really good at yoking myself to my to-do list. Right now I have three going. I have a personal to-do list to remind myself to, you know, eat healthy, get eight hours of sleep, all the stuff that never happens. Um, I also have a wedding to-do list that seems to grow sometimes by the hour. And I have a work to-do list of all of the things that I need to get done throughout the week, the people I need to contact. And it's so easy for me to become so wrapped up in my to-do list and getting the satisfaction of crossing something off that I miss the things that Christ has for me. I miss the things that he's trying to show me, the conversations he wants me to have, the beauty he wants me to see when I am so focused on getting to my next appointment or doing that one next thing on my to-do list. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, that when we become so focused on other things, we also miss the things that Christ has for us. But we can rest in the fact that as a, do- as a yoke does with animals, our load is shared and becomes less burdensome with him. That is why he concluded by saying, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Maybe you've heard the phrase that a joy shared is doubled, but a burden shared is half. So I don't know about you, but if you've ever had a rough week or you've been going through something and you have a friend that comes up to you and says, hey, 
what's going on? Something seems off. And all of a sudden, like word vomit, you're just like, I don't know what's going on, and this is happening, and this is happening. And by the end of that conversation, you feel better. Your shoulders feel a little lighter, and you feel like you can stand a little taller because you shared that burden with them. You shared what was on your heart with someone who trusts, who you trust and loves you. This is the same thing that Christ wants to do for us. Christ wants us to put the things that we carry on his shoulders. He wants to take those from us and to walk with us through them, not pulling us along, but walking side by side. And when we do that, we experience rest. Christ wants us to be yoked to him. When he says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, he actually does mean that. He wants us to be yoked to him because with him there is support and relief and rest. He doesn't just heap piles of things for us to do on our to-do lists or different things that we have to do. Instead, he takes the things that we stress about and, call, and takes them from us and gives us rest. I find it very comforting to know that when I am yoked with Christ, he is the navigator, and all I have to do is just follow and trust in him and know that he will guide me and lead me. Taking Jesus' yoke means accepting his truth and surrendering to his direction. Once yoked, we are no longer driving the agenda. Instead, we are making a choice to allow his teachings to be our truth and his purpose to be our plan. When we do that and enter into relationship with him, trusting in his plan and his purpose, we find true rest. Rest also requires obedience. So my old boss at the church I worked at before I came here, was awesome. I loved her. She taught me so many things, what it meant to be a woman in ministry. She taught me um, the ins and outs of youth ministry and some tips and tricks of the trade that have been very helpful. She also taught me the art form of the to-do list, and she taught me how to rest. She would work like crazy Sunday through Thursday to get everything on her to-do list done. And on Fridays, she would rest. She wouldn't take her laptop out of her bag. She wouldn't answer emails or text messages from work because that was her day to spend time with God, to spend time doing things that brought her life and that helped her feel rested in order to continue the week of ministry the following week. She was obedient to the call to rest. Jesus tells us, Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So D- Jesus did not just tell his disciples how to rest. He showed them by modeling resting constantly all throughout the Gospels. And if you read through the Gospels, you can constantly see him going off by himself for just a couple minutes to pray or getting some rest before a big event. If Jesus needed rest, how much more do we need rest? So he came alongside the disciples And he told them to observe from him, watch him, learn from him. And when we are called to be his disciples, our purpose in life changes. We begin to live for him and serve him in all that we do instead of living and serving ourselves. The the reality is that ministry is tough. In whatever capacity, it is a hard call to live into. And serving God can be exhausting. It takes a lot out of us, but it's totally worth it. Jesus knew how hard it can be to serve all day, every day, and even he had to take a break. He knew the value of rest and the value of work. And as disciples, we're called to live in this tension of resting and working. 
Now, rest does not simply come to us automatically. We must intentionally seek it out. In the book of Mark, Jesus and his disciples had just gotten done doing ministry for the day. And Jesus told his disciples, go and get some rest. Jesus knew that they could not sustain a life of service to God without resting and making sure they were always relying on his rest to rejuvenate them and carry them through. Mark 6:31 says, Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The disciples obeyed Jesus and went in the boat and got off to go find rest in solitude. And it would have been really easy for them to continue ministry, but it would not have been healthy. Being obedient to Christ means that we also have to be obedient to rest. Jesus knew that the world would still spin on its axle and things would not implode if he took a few minutes to rest. And he knew that he and the disciples all needed to get much-needed rest in order to continue on the journey. Sadly for the disciples... They weren't able to go and fully rest. So after they got into the boats and went to find rest in solitude, some people saw them going to the other side of the lake and ran over to meet them. And, you know, I think that sometimes we only get short bursts of rest like the disciples did. They only had those couple minutes in that boat. But it was enough to carry them through to do ministry to the people on the other side. And I think that that's something that we all need, too. Sometimes we just can't catch a break. Sometimes life is just so stinking busy that we cannot have, we don't have time to rest. But if we're not obedient to finding rest in the midst of those times, we can easily become burnt out on life. We live in a world that is constantly ringing, dinging, and pinging at us from all areas of our life. Our phones never shut off. Work never fully stops. And there is always one more thing to be done or added to our to-do list. It's no wonder we can't figure out how to rest when the world is constantly demanding our attention. Just because the world pings, rings, and dings does not mean that we have to obey. So if you're anything like me, hopefully, maybe you're sitting here thinking, wow, this sounds good. Hopefully you're thinking that. Um, But how do I do this? I am so busy. How do I accomplish this? Well, I don't think it's something that we can ever master because our life is always going to be busy. Life is never going to slow down. At least I hope maybe one day it will, but right now it won't. Um, And the reality is, is that sometimes we can't make that we can't have just a day to rest. But I believe that we can find rest in the midst of the busyness of life. And I believe that is what God calls us to do. Find that rest in him, even if it's only for short bursts. So the kind of rest that Christ calls us to find in him him, is intentional. We have to intentionally seek rest out and to make time for it, even if it just comes in short little snippets. So rest comes when we change our pace and when we slow down a bit. Rest isn't always about stopping everything. Sometimes it can be as simple as doing things at a different pace or using using the small amounts of free time that you have to slow down even if it's just for a few minutes. If you have 20 or 30 minutes, pull out your Bible or use your phone app. On your phone app, you can even underline and take notes on it and transfer it to your Bible once you get back home. But take those minutes, 
take the time to dive into the word, even if it's only for 20 or 30 minutes. If you have a long commute or a longer commute to work, take time to pray, to talk to God, to listen to worship music or a sermon, or to sit in silence and just enjoy a quiet moment. If you have one night that you know you're not going to, there's nothing going on, protect that time and use it wisely. Don't just schedule things just to schedule things. I believe rest can also be found in our relationships. Sometimes rest comes from a really great conversation with someone we love. I know I rest really well with Jake. He knows my heart, and the time that we spend together gives me rest. And one thing Jake and I have tried to do in our own lives is to have one night that is totally protected. So we don't get a lot of time together because of our work schedule. He's a second shift worker. I'm a first shift slash evening meetings worker. And his only nights off are Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Well, Wednesdays, we have youth group. So Tuesdays are our only night to have an extended amount of time to rest together. And we protect those nights with everything we have. And it's not always easy because there are lots of people that want our attention. But as a couple, we've decided that Tuesday nights cannot be touched by our work schedules or his work schedule. It's easy, it's really hard for us to do that, but it's totally worth it because we know that we need that time as a couple to connect and to rest together. Rest isn't always easy to get, but we need to find rest in the busyness of life. The Lord wants us to rest on the journey, but one of the keys to this is to become intentional about finding that rest. It takes a shift in our perspectives And we have to begin to see rest, not as an add-on, but as essential to our daily lives. So, my challenge to you all is to find ways that you can rest in the midst of the busyness of your life. Life probably isn't going to slow down for a while, but we need to. In order to keep loving and serving the Lord, we have to get spiritual rest. We have to take the time out to get into our Bibles and to meditate and to soak in the Word of God in order to keep us going on the journey. We need to find a balance of rest and work and to get the rest our heart desires and our bodies need. Now, I don't know what life looks like for you, but I pray that if you are someone who's sitting here and you're thinking, man, I really do need this type of rest, I hope that you would be encouraged and not discouraged, thinking that I can never get this, I'm too busy. But my encouragement to you is to find the short bursts of rest, because life doesn't always slow down and allow us to have a whole day. But find that time that you can take to connect with God throughout the weeks to come and develop your own rest rhythm. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this message of rest and the importance of resting in you. Lord, I pray that we would all develop our own rest rhythms, Lord. Even though we don't think we need them, we really do. And sometimes it's so easy for us to become so wrapped up in the things that we have to do that we forget that we need to spend time with you. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us to find rest over the next weeks and the weeks to come, Lord, and that you would... uh, would Give us rest when we come and rest in your presence. Lord, we thank you so much, and we love you. Amen. Please stand and join us in singing hymn number 493, It Is Well With My Soul.
servants upon you rest the grace of God like flames of fire may you find rest in Christ to continue to love and serve the Lord in the strength of the spirit may the peace of Christ be with you the strong arms of God sustain you and the power of the Holy Spirit strengthen you in every way go in peace